welcome to the Real Talk Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me is my forever wonderful with the curly hair that you cannot see co-host. Mark Salcedo. Don't don't tell them what I look like. Everyone loves curly hair. <laughs> Not me. People who have curly hair don't like curly hair. Uh-huh. But they don't like their own curly hair. Well, that's because they know something. Curly hair is not all that great. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Says to somebody who doesn't have curly hair. <laughs> that just means you're extra evil. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, this week, we are doing, you know, something Mark has been waiting for. Yes. Forever. Yes. Uh, so we're actually going to do the news first. As we usually do, and we're going to do our recent review of Ad Astra, and then we're going to do our Simon Says segment. We haven't done one of those in a little while. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're going to do our geriatric cinematic 2001 A Space Odyssey. Folks, I... Oh... This is one of of the reasons why why we started this podcast. Maybe oh, maybe it is the reason you're like, oh, I think it's the, yeah, shit. it has to be the reason. I will, we'll go into detail what led up, like, what led up to this moment and, and like, why I'm so excited to discuss this with Kelsey in front of everybody. We'll we save could, it to the, like, the very end. I uh, think we should. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll say after we'll after we've all said our, you know, we've both said our piece. Yeah, we'll you'll, like, you know, ask me what I really, you know, really think about my, that movie you know yeah and then you know that's why we'll get into that yeah um you want to tell them where uh where they can contact us no i don't want anyone to contact us okay no i'm just kidding that's good. Shit. Whatever. <laughs> uh facebook is the real appeal two e's and real uh twitter at appeal real instagram the real appeal and the real appeal at gmail.com and we would also like you to review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Preferably more you, five stars. <laughs> the more you review us and the higher rating, the more we're likely to be seen by other people who would, you know, potentially enjoy our little podcast about film. Yeah. Even though there's like a thousand po- uh, film podcasts out there, we like to think that we're a little bit different and we would like to be, I don't know, maybe slash film level. That'd be totally awesome. It would be. We'd like to be their best friends. Ah, oh, you know, David Chen, if you're listening, and I know you're listening, you can hit me up. Jeff Kanata, I know you're in L.A. You can hit me up. Don't hit up Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into our news segment. Um, Invisible Monsters, Fabric and Jennifer Yale prep series based on Czech. Never know how to say his last name. Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> I meant to say Chuck, but I said Czech. <laughs> Chuck Palnick? Polinick. Polinick. Look at me, like, correcting you. How to say <laughs> I'm the one who's always horrible at that shit. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark finally did something right. Oh, for once. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, um, they're developing the book for TV. Um, and the Legion and Outlander writer Jennifer Yale is adapting it. Um. I don't really know anything about her. I know Legion. Legion's like really great. Yeah, yeah. We've we've gone through like the 
the first two seasons we haven't we haven't touched on the third season yet, but it's really um really weird and really kooky and shit like that. It's so. really colorful. Like oh, yeah. and you almost want to be high during watching it sometimes. I like the aesthetic of that. That mid century feel of it. That's just dope. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um what else? It if you don't know anything about the the book, it is a story about a fashion model who essentially has everything and she's perfect you know the perfect boyfriend she has a loyal best friend she has like you know a great career and then an accident leaves her disfigured she can't go on with her career um her relationships i guess you know deteriorate and that's how it goes you know yeah she essentially becomes an invisible monster yeah yeah um kelsey and i are we're familiar with polonic's work um that actually makes me think of neon demon yeah that's true yeah i mean she doesn't become disfigured but But yeah the whole you know now i think about yeah it does have that it does have that vibe um i've read invisible monster it's a really great book it's really it's polonic's style of like satire but like realistic um kind of like horror and stuff like that kind of like discussions that you think like oh wow i never thought about that you know it's a good observation he's a great observation writer and i know kelsey you've read um i know i give you read haunted right and you read diary diary yeah and then um there was another one that you gave me to read uh, i think it was rant rant yeah did, I never, yeah. I never gave you Survivor di- or Lonely Survivor, did I? Nope. I need, a, I need to get you that copy. I mean, you can't have my copy because Polnick signed it. <laughs> One of the greatest days of my life is meeting Chuck Polnick. <laughs> you have a lot of great days of your life. Yeah, and you're not in there. You know, Mister. Uh, hmm. What, Mister? What? You know, Mister Baby Driver writer. You wrote. You uh, <sighs> met him too. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> right. That sounds very pervy of me, but I love that man. Uh, side note about him. He has a Spotify channel, I think, right? Uh, no, no. no. Uh, there is a Spotify channel that uh, showcases uh, directors' uh, musical tastes, like what inspires them. Um, the music that inspired them to make certain movies, and sometimes you'll even get their soundtrack in in the playlist. Mm-hmm. Edgar Wright started it when Baby Driver, Baby Driver came out because that soundtrack was awesome. Mm. So it was his playlist. Um, actually, I take that back. He does have a Spotify account. He honestly does have a Spotify account. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, he, he, he like jumps on there once in a while to like put up a playlist, but it's always great. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah. But back, but back to Chuck Polonick and Invisible <laughs> Monster. <laughs> um. I was, you know, done with that segment. I think it's going to be a great, a great show. Mm-hmm. Anything that he's, didn't he write something that already came out? Who, Polonik? Yeah, like it was a book and it was adapted. Yeah, Polonik, uh, his most famous w- piece of work that's been adapted was Fight Club. Uh, the, next, the, the next adaptation was his book called Choke. Um, and it was directed by the guy, his name's Phil Coulson. Is that his name? No, no, I'm sorry. The guy, the guy who plays Phil Coulson from Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. directed yeah. Choke. Um, the funny thing is, this Invisible Monster, this is not the first time that they've attempted to make this into a show. Uh, originally, they were going to make it into a movie starring Jessica Biel. Oh, wow. Uh, that fell to the ground. Fell to the ground. Um, they tried to do Survivor as a movie, but 9-11 happened. 
Mm. And they were like, we can't do this movie now. Because <laughs> oh. it involves like a terror. It involves somebody snatching a, a plane. Um, I've heard Rant is supposedly being adapted, but that's, I, I don't know how they could do that. That's a hard story to do. That's a hard one, yeah. Yeah, so his work is really, his work is really great. It's really out there. Um, there's always a message, though. There's always a great message, like at the end of it, about like life and like who you are as a person and transforming yourself and all kind of stuff. It's yeah. good stuff. Yes, it is. Other good stuff include uh, the Boondocks. The Boondocks. Yes. First of all, the Boondocks, not the Boondocks Saints. Anybody who likes that movie, <laughs> no. That movie's garbage. I don't care what anybody says. That movie's garbage. But that's not what we're talking about. Boondocks um, is getting a revival. It's la- it landed on uh, HBO Max, and they have commissioned two seasons. There's going to be 24 episodes, as well as the 55 episodes already done. So the Boondocks is based off of Aaron Magruder's comic strip. And it tells a story of uh, two kids and their grandpa living in the Freeman. They call the the families of the Freemans. There's Huey Freeman. Oh, I can't remember the, the brother's name. And there's Grandpa Freeman. And it's just like it's just a black perspective of like the world around them. And it says like some real ass shit about like society. Um, their most like one of the most famous episodes. It's like the trial of Robert Kelly, which like pretty much was about how Robert how. Uh, R. Kelly is a perv and how he's on trial uh, for like sleeping with a child and everything and how like how society acted towards that and Mm -hmm. which reflected exactly how society acted towards that. But now we know Robert (laughs) R. Kelly's like thrown in jail. He's actually going to be facing all these charges and stuff. Yeah. Um, The fundraiser, the sort of gangster 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 delicious, which um, touched up on. Uh, like hip hop, the hip hop community, and what happens if, like, essentially, like people, like the rappers, are getting shot up and everything. But it done it from a funny perspective. Um, what happened was it was on Cartoon Network for a while, for like two seasons, and then the third season, um, Magruder bounced, and they continued on the third season, but it was garbage. Mm. Like I didn't even finish the third season. Yeah. But the fact that, like, Magruder is coming back. Like, why'd he even leave in the first place? He probably got into some shit with Cartoon Network. From what I heard, uh, oh, it's Adult Swim. There you go. Um, From what I heard, Adult Swim can kind of be a hassle to work with. And it's a very, like, boys club type of deal. Mm. Like, they they rarely hire female writers for any of their shows. Wow. Um, So, eventually, like, he took off and he was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Did it season three. It wasn't that great. Um, but you know, he's coming back, uh, he's going to serve as a showrunner and as executive producer along with, uh, Norm Aldegem, uh, from main, for mainstay entertainment, uh, Sony pictures animations is going to be producing the series, uh, with a partnership with Sony pictures television. I'm looking for this shit. I actually, I need it. You, I need to show you this stuff. The boondocks. You'll fucking crack up. Well, I, yeah, it's great. Oh, this is how this is how far ahead um, the Boondocks was. There was an episode where Grandpa made a sandwich. I can't remember the name of the sandwich, and it was uh, it was a sandwich. The buns were uh, glazed donuts, and in the middle was like ham, bacon, and like fried chicken. Uh huh. And he made it into a franchise 
And there's an episode they, in the episode, they run out and they people start rioting. That happened not too long ago with Popeye's chicken. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like they, I don't know. It was just so trippy, like how that whole Popeye's thing happened. I was just like, "Fuck!" That was on the Boondocks, yeah, like five years ago. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was way ahead of his time. I, it's great to bring it back now, especially what's going on and. Our politics and how our government's been run and how people wear their fucking their hoodie, their clan's hoodie, proudly. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Tony Stark, like we talked about last <laughs> week. Um Yeah, but I, I'm still I'm super stoked for this shit to come back. Uh it's not set to come back until uh the fall of twenty twenty. So uh, next year. Not too not too far off. Yeah. So one year. One year. <laughs> yeah, one year. One year later. Yes. One year later. All right. Um, we have a lot to talk about in our next segment. Um, so for our recent review, we are doing um, the recently released Ad Astra. It's crazy out there. There's fires everywhere and plane crashes. They're calling it the surge. Major, we have some highly classified information. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. This might come as quite a shock to you. Your father was experimenting with a highly classified material that could threaten our entire solar system. All life would be destroyed. We're counting on you to find out what's happening out there. Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. It was directed by James Gray, who did Lost City of Z. Mm-hmm. Did you see that movie? No. I could have. It, Char- it had Charlie Hunnam in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no actor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you saw that, right? I did. And you don't really remember much about it. No, I remember a lot about it. Oh, okay. Was that any good? I never saw it. Was no, it will really look. I'm used to Charlie Hunnam with an American accent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that show, he just keeps going back to the same fucking spot in the Amazon. It's really long and boring. And then, okay, uh, you know, his son is Tom Holland. And I thought that was really fucking weird. Are you so, serious? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. What about We Own the Night? He did that, too. Yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't watch that one. I, I remember seeing that years ago. Was it good? I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> so probably not. Okay, <laughs> well, surprisingly, I'm just surprised. You're I'll just say. surprised? I'm just okay. surprised. Okay. Uh, it was written by James Gray, Ethan Gross. Uh, they did Fringe TV series um, for like four episodes. Mm. Um it has Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nega, and Donald Sutherland. Yes. And uh, the synopsis of it would be astronaut, 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 <laughs> astronaut. That's a new type of astronaut. <laughs> astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, thirty years later threatens the universe 
Yes, that is the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what did you think about this movie, Kelsey? <sighs> I'm so on the fence about this film. Really? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Look, we saw comments, right, that were like, critics love the film. Uh, General public doesn't particularly enjoy it. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, the Rotten Tomato score was like 86 or something, certified fresh, but the critic score, or the audience score was like 47. Right. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that means we're going to like it. Mm. Um, not, you know, not saying that we're like critics or anything, but, yeah. you know, usually that's how it goes. If it's got a good critic score, we tend to like it. Yeah. And... um I'm just going to say that it was a beautiful film mm-hmm. and it had a few plot holes in it and um, some of it didn't really make sense. Really? Okay. We'll, we'll get into that into, uh, into the spoiler section. Um, let's, let's just try to cover some of it before we just really deep dive into this. Yeah. Um, you, so you, you were saying it looked, what well, it looked really pretty, right? It was, yeah, it was really pretty. I liked, mm-hmm. you know, the white of the space ship and the, the uniforms that they wear. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, as a, as compared to older space films where everything is all white, mm-hmm. like this one has like the NASA orange or like red mm-hmm. in it. Like, so it's. I don't know. It's not just all white and clinical. There's like it's like a variety, in a little bit style. of variety in the style. And um, there are times where the aesthetic, even though it's in space mm-hmm. and it's meant to be lonely, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's just the kind of person that I am, but it was very comforting to me. Yeah, it's yeah. You know what? I didn't think about that until you you, until you just mentioned it. But yeah, like whenever, whenever I see a space movie or think about space, I think of like cold. But like with this one, I didn't really f- get that sense. I almost got like a weird homey sense. Yeah, and it wasn't like oh, everything reminds me of home. Mm. It's like oh, it's like comfortable or it's something. comfortable. Like these people have been here a while, and it's not scary or new to them mm-hmm. you know they they're very comfortable being in space now mm-hmm. and it's familiar surroundings to them so it's fami- familiar surroundings to us too yeah like they um they really they really kind of bring you into this world but they don't they don't bring you into like oh this is all the space technology we know now this is like space, te- space technology in the future but not too far in the future so it's still somewhat relatable mm-hmm. but it's like they it's like they've been doing the people who are involved with the space travel and all that stuff they've been involved with it for so long it's like you know in s- some cases it's like moving a forklift right you know you just get used to it and it just comes like second nature. it's like driving a car right they, they treat it like that during the movie and i thought that was kind of cool they didn't make it too technical it was still technical, but not like, oh, I'm getting bored because it's too much data at once. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am happy to say that I saw Natasha Leone. <laughs> yeah, she's in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's not, a, it's not even really, 
it's not a spoiler or anything like that. She does appear in the movie. She doesn't really make a big impact in the movie. But, yeah. um, just we, happy to see her. Yeah, we, we fucking love her. Yeah, we like saw her and we watched it and we were like, hey, <laughs> right, Russian doll girl. Or, or uh, you know, like we did uh, her movie. Sums of Beverly Hills. Sums of Beverly girl. Hills. Yeah, we're like, hell yeah. <laughs> Go girl. Got this movie. Um, what did you. I I I I think you were I think you I think I know where you're where you're gonna go before I even ask the question. But what did you think of Brad Pitt's acting? Because a lot of people are saying this is like one of Brad Pitt's best performance ever. Um, it's hard for me to separate the actor from the character. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't particularly enjoy how he was written. Okay. I don't know if I can say that it's his best performance. Yeah. But they say, well, they don't say it's his best. They say it's one of his best, you know, it's a long, yeah, long, best Yeah, I didn't, it was very, <sighs> I like how you're just like perplexed about it. It was like, he was a chair. A chair? He was a chair. Okay. A very, you know, an emotional chair. Mm, I think that, for most of it, uh, I think there was a point to. I think there was a point to that. I mean, we're not we're not gonna say it right now, but I think no, there was I a, know there's a point, a point but there's like there are other people who are in space who don't act like a an emotional chair. Okay. So I don't understand why he was like that. Yeah, like the entire time, mm, there okay. are points where he clearly could have been honest about his feelings and mm. shown them and expressed them mm. and it would have made sense and i'm sure it wouldn't have gotten in the way of him doing whatever he was trying to do yeah i can see that you yeah. know a, yeah like why like he didn't have to close himself off t- to be a great astronaut exactly okay maybe 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 he it, I, I know there's like some issues behind it and that's yeah. the reason why but you know without giving it away it's yeah. just I don't, I can relate to it in a way because Mm. I do the same thing when I'm really upset. I just completely wall off. Yeah. But at the same time, that makes me the most boring fucking person in the world when I do it. Like people are just, I I go really, really unnoticed. That's funny how you say that because I, when I do this, when I do the same thing, when I start walling off, I don't know why but i become super duper hyper focused and i think it's because um a lot of my writing or my work is tapped into my emotions and i think if when i do that i close myself off from those emotions and i just go let me just perfect this and i just do it like how uh like how brad pitt's character says in the movie you know i can uh, i will be able to do this to the best of my abilities like that right so um I don't know. I thought I I thought his I thought his uh, performance being so cold hearted. I I was I that part did kind of annoy me for a little bit because I was just like I'm not feeling anything for this guy, you know, at the beginning because it was he was just so just so cold and so just dead. But I think as the story progressed, it started to like blossom a little bit, or he started to uh, break away at certain parts in the in the. It's in the almost movie. like um, when. And I don't know if anyone's OCD like this, but when your hands are really, really dirty mm. and 
you wash them and you could see the progression of them getting clean. Mm. And even if they were clean before they were dirty, now they just feel and look extra clean. Mm. Even though they're not any cleaner than they were before they got dirty, really. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. I think his performance is like that, where okay. he has a lack of emotion uh-huh. until he shows some emotion. Mm. And I think those notes hit in the right spot. And I think that's what people are alluding to. Okay. But because the lack of emotion kind of is like a canvas for him when he finally breaks free. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's like spectacular because, oh, okay. yeah. because it's not like, I don't know, when Sterling K. Brown had his first anxiety attack on screen and This Is Us. Oh, yeah. You that know, was pretty... That was a. It was, was brutal. brutal. Yeah. But he didn't have to be emotionless to get there. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I, I, the best way I can think um, to visualize what you're saying about Brad Pitt's and, and emotion, like his lack of emotions, you were saying that it's like a canvas. I think the best way to sum it up is like it was a canvas, and you know when he had emotions, it was like they took the bra- uh, uh, paintbrush and then like stroke it, but did like two or three strokes. But there's still all this blank canvas. Like, and, and the color they used was red. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't have enough. I guess. I guess they didn't have enough emotional beats. Enough hard hitting emotional beats to justify the layout of the canvas. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah totally. So I don't. And I'm always. I'm on the fence about him as an actor. Anyway, I know he has mm-hmm. his moments where he can be really great. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. It's almost like. Like if Cher had too much plastic surgery and she can't really emote properly. Uh I feel like she can't do that anyway. His face is the same way to me. Like it doesn't matter what face he's making. Mm. I just feel like I'm looking at Brad Pitt. Like just Brad Pitt. Like just Brad Pitt. Yeah. You're not looking at, uh, what's the character's name? Uh, You're not looking at Roy McBride. Exactly. You're not looking at Tyler Durden. You're not looking at his character from Seven, if you ever saw that. You're looking at Brad Pitt. Exactly. Okay, I got you, yeah. Well, what about the Invisible... Does he look... Do you see him? Do you see the Invisible Man when you see him? Because he was in Deadpool 2? He was in Deadpool 2? Yeah, as an Invisible Man. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't... I mean, he must have done his job really well in Deadpool 2 then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um... What I would have to go off, well, you guys have already heard my, my tidbits on, on some of the performance. One thing actually that really did bother me was Donald Sutherland's character. Mm. I like Donald Sutherland. He's a really great actor, but I felt like his character, it wasn't, I'm not saying the character wasn't necessary. The character was necessary. I don't think it was necessary to have Donald Sutherland play him. I think they could have got anybody to play that character, and maybe somebody would add added more emotions to that's the that one character. who played like the guy who was supposed to. Who's supposed to be his protection, his like Brad Pitt called his blanket. Yeah, and yeah. then he, yeah, yeah, and something happened to his character. Yeah, and like I don't know, it was kind of weird because like when when I heard he was in this movie, I was like, cool, Donald Sutherland's gonna be like working off of Brad Pitt. Fuck yeah, that's gonna be dope. But when he came out, I was just like, it was supposed to like establish some type of history, like a link, a link to his father's history, and the link was there. But it wasn't strong enough or enough to even make me care about that fucking link. Yeah. And then um, if we're going to talk about performances, I want to say Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. He always makes me happy. 
Really? Almost every performance he's ever done. Okay. Um, and at first I was like, oh, here we go again. He's kind of like a grumpy guy. Mm-hmm. But when you finally see him mm-hmm. and he looks like he's just fucking lost it, but in a really quiet way, mm-hmm. um, you can see it and he doesn't even have to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally agree with that on on Tommy Lee Jones' performance. Um, but let's let's go ahead and just kind of jump into spoilers because I feel like we're kind of teetering on. Yeah, we're series. like, come on, I want I want to say yeah. something. So let's go ahead and just um, let's just go ahead and jump into our spoiler section uh, right about now. Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Is that where I wanted to start? No, I wanted to start with his protector with uh, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland? Okay. The guy is meant to be like, oh, I knew your father. Mm-hmm. He's a throwaway character. Yeah, it's straight up. Like, here's a file that I'm not supposed to have that you should look at mm. and it's top secret and he finds out that they're uh Roy mcbride finds out that they're gonna basically kill his father no he finds out later no the the government has had suspected that his father might be a traitor or might have caused the the incident the mm. source and that's what the file so he's the because it leads into it you don't find out until like the whole nuclear thing until like later on in the movie but yeah he gives him that file and he's like oh we have reason to believe that um this character you know Tommy Lee Jones oh, yeah, character and they might say be so we need to talk to him and find out yeah exactly yeah uh yeah I think he was like there just to I think I also think Donald Sutherland's character was there just to give him that that file yeah because then he's like oh my heart feels weird you know, yeah. and then he's like, just go on without me. And then, you know, there's Roy McBride by himself. Yeah, go, just goes on, does his thing. Um, I thought Liv Tyler's character was going to have a bigger role in this film. Yeah, for reals. I'm kind of glad that she wasn't. I was hoping she would have had a bigger role. I like her. Uh-huh. I just think she plays the same character. She's a scientist's wife or an astronaut's wife and almost everything she does Mm. And you see her, and it's like this really mopey, like, I love you type thing. And the guy's always trying to get back home to her. And this one, it he kind of is doing the same thing, but it's like their relationship is already gone. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little bit more like, I want to, I really want to attain this. Like, I have something to live for because I fucked up the first time. Yeah. And she, like, she isn't there egging him on or having unnecessary unnecessary dialogue. She's just like, hey, like, I'm, I'm done. You're being an astronaut is more important to you. Mm. Bye. Like, I, I really like that. I just think there's more play with that than there is with let's have this unnecessary conversation about our feelings gotcha. that we've okay. had before. I think they could have used a little bit more um, time with her. 
because uh, because at the beginning of the movie we essentially see the end of the relationship like she leaves and I get it that like I get it that his him being an astronaut it's all it's all about is all he wants but I think like they could at least use a, a at least one scene to show how much in love they were yeah and I we didn't get that at all like I like I like at the as the movie is like getting closer to the end and he starts thinking more of his of Liv Tyler, of his wife, I started thinking, I was like, I wonder what their first date was like. Probably like born as shit. <laughs> like they didn't really talk or something like that. I don't know, yeah. this is weird. And the fact that they're already this old and they never even had kids, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just weird. Um, I, li- I mean, I did kind of like it, but it was, for some people who don't relate to characters, I guess, it would be a little bit, Hard to really get get with that one. Okay. Um. As far as the plot really goes, it's kind of thin if you really think about it. Yeah, it's really thin. Um, I'm not gonna. I guess I'm not gonna really say. Com- I'm not gonna compare it to other films because mm. I'm gonna do that later. <laughs> okay. Um. But what I what I will say is that he. I had an issue with them on the moon. Okay. It just, I keep coming back to that. Okay. This, this plot detail. Okay. We're going to escort you. Uh-huh. Because of pirates on the moon. There's a war on the moon. Like a, like kind of a civil war going yeah, on. Yeah. And there's pirates. Uh-huh. So you know this. Uh-huh. So you're in an open air fucking vehicle. Uh-huh. With no protection. Uh-huh. Why? They had per- they had more protected vehicles on Mars, but yeah. not on the moon. And you're in a war. Uh-huh. Why? I think because plot. I think because plot. Pl- plot demands it. No, the plot <laughs> demanded don't be a fucking idiot because I'm not one and I noticed. <laughs> um. The the whole that whole moon. Um, civilization, I guess mm-hmm. to call it. I really like that. I, I was, I, I, I that, that sucked me in because like how they're explaining that they're fighting for resources. There's like uh, arguments between groups and like how there are like there's literally fucking space pirates mm-hmm. and they're being chased down by these groups. I was like, yo, let's get more into that. I want to find out. I want to find out why that happened. Why are these people fighting? Not just that, but he was very like, the thing that I'm trying to get away from on Earth, Mm -hmm. it just follows us wherever we go because we don't learn. Okay. Uh, Let me cut. Let me just stop you right right there. Okay. I fully agree with you on that. And that, that is one of my gripes with the film. They didn't explore that. Enough. Like it, it was a it was a subject that they were opening up, but they didn't explore it any further. I feel like they alluded to it often enough through the film. Like they didn't go into it, mm. but that wasn't the whole crux of the film anyway. Yeah, but I wanted more details of that. That's just, that's just my curiosity. I'm just like, what happened? Like, hey, tell me. Hey, how did Arby's? How, no, how did Applebee's get their product placement on the fucking moon? <laughs> that shit was wild. Listen. Okay. Make your own story on that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm write up a story and then send it to the writers. Be like, hey, this is what I think would happen. <laughs> um, I, like, I like that they had like 
a scene where it was an escalator and it's clearly like a, a mall or something mm-hmm. on the moon. And, you know, we didn't get away from the things that kept us down on earth with the resources and the fighting and the wars and, you know, commerce and all that. Um, what was I going to say? The, um, what the space stuff or no, the way he explains things, he has like a distance from everything he's saying. Mm hmm. And I know you like you're like he's thinking aloud to the audience. Yeah, he's narrating some of the story, but he's like doing doing it through like a journal or something like that, right? Right. Um, and I don't. I felt like it was really hard to connect to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I felt like some of that was necessary. Okay. So that you could get an idea of who he was and why he was that way. Mm-hmm. So he's distant from the earth from the people on earth because he doesn't feel like they really know what matters. Oh, okay. And so even someone like him who just wants to explore, mm. they don't understand him and they, that he doesn't matter to them. Oh, okay. Um, and so then he ends up on this journey to find his father who he thought had died mm. and his father was not who he was looking for. Yeah, I will. I will I'll add something to that because I was I was actually thinking about that earlier today. That um, this this story kind of was really talking about legacy mm-hmm. and how every time he would, um, you know, he he like was at the space. He was um he was on Earth. He got blasted off, and when he was blasted off, like the, the pilots of the the spaceship were like oh you know this is who like oh we know who you are we know who your father is we're here because your father is that person we want to inspire to be your father and he kind of like keeps bumping into that every stop he makes like to the moons like it's mentioned to the when it gets to mars is mentioned and how that legacy how the the actual truth about that legacy is actually more crushing mm-hmm. and i think that's i think that was kind of dope about like how family secrets can actually really destroy a legacy and it's like destroy inspiration for so many people that want it to be something better. Exactly. And how like that truth, it's just like horrifying, you know? Um, I think they went somewhere that, that films don't normally go mm. or any type of media really, where they're like, when he meets up with his father and they're, you know, you come to a point where the son meets up with his father, but also meets up with the legacy. Mm. He, his father straight up says, I don't think about you and your mother and I don't care about you. Yeah. Like you guys were actually holding me back and I had no intentions of ever coming back. Yeah. That was fucked up. I was like, oh, they went there. Yeah. He, I, he, he started crying right at that point. Brad Pitt. That, yeah. That's the point where his performance to me is like this is his performance like Mm. he had no emotion before and he's showing emotion now okay well what about that scene where um he has to get a message out to his father uh in that in that room where it's a recording Mm -hmm. um i thought that scene was really great because they had him reading like a typed up uh letter like oh this is a typed up script they had him read a script 
And at one, like the first time he read it, you can tell he was obviously reading something. And I, which I'll just take a little sidestep, which leads into why one thing I love about the film is the sound design. Because when he goes into that room, it's that complete quiet room where you can't hear anything uh-huh. at all. And like it, the, the sound design puts you in, literally puts you in that fucking room. Yeah. Where all you hear is what exactly he's saying and what the mic is picking up. So like when he starts talking, he's like talking to the mic. You hear the mic's volume. You can even hear the paper just like, like hearing the like chip in the background. Yeah. Which I thought was really great. So from there, I'll go into his emotional breakdown at that scene where I thought it was great how the second time he, they were going to do a recording, like he put down the paper and he just started crying like on the spot. Like, dad, this is your son. This is like he had like an emotional connection right there. Mm-hmm. And then he started crying. I was just like, holy shit. Damn, that's a good fucking performance right there. Yeah. That, that I saw like I saw I was just like, damn, this is good. I thought it was good. I, I think I got annoyed at that point. Oh, OK. Because he didn't have any emotion up until that point. Yeah, yeah, that that that. And then all of a sudden, sure. he was like, "Oh, Dad, like I, I love you." Mm. And he even had just before that said, you know, like almost like in a diary, like, "I don't know if I want to see him or not." Yeah, yeah. And then exactly. all of a sudden, he's like, "I want to see you again." And mm. and I'm just like, I know you have to compartmentalize when you're doing certain things, and he did, mm. you know, his character did. I just think that if you really felt like that about someone, you wouldn't have a breakdown at that point. If it really bothered you mm. that much. Yeah, like they could have had like a, a better lead up to it. Maybe right. Like certain, because like you, I, I think, well, we're with him for a good, maybe like, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes before he even gets to the to the Mars station. Mm-hmm. Maybe like an hour or something like that. And at that hour time, they could have been like chipping away at his armor that he's built up. Yeah. Instead of like, boom, it just comes right off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there was something you mentioned in the theater. What was that? About where he was recording. Yeah, the sound room. The soundproof room. No, you said... Um, why couldn't he just record on Earth? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was like a big plot hole that I, that I picked up. So, like, he has to make this recording to contact his father. But the government is going to use, um, it's going to hope that his father responds. And however he responds, they're going to trace back to where the space station was last left at. Or where they can find it so they can go and get him. So, they need Brad Pitt's recording, his voice, to contact his father. But Brad Pitt is literally on the station of Mars. It's on a station of Mars. It's kind of like, why didn't they just have, a re- have him recorded on Earth and then like pass the, the information through, through, through other means? Right. Like they didn't, I don't think he physically needed to be there. They didn't really establish that, like, oh, he has to be there because we can't send a communication this way or blah, 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 blah. No, it was just like, oh, he's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing I really like is how in real life people are like, I don't want to be like, this parent or you'll look at someone and be like, Oh, they followed it in their footsteps. Mm. And even though you could tell Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, their characters were so different from each other. Mm. The one thing they really had in common was Tommy Lee Jones was willing to do whatever he needed to do to get the mission done. Yeah. And Brad Pitt did the same and thing. And Brad Pitt did the same thing. 
And it was for the same reason, even though it was in its own ways and people ended up dying for it. Yeah, that part kind of annoyed the shit out of me. Did it really? Yeah, like how he 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 had to get on that station on the spaceship that was going to Jupiter. Uh huh. And like it was uh, Saturn. Was it? it oh, was, I mean, I'm sorry, Neptune. Yes, Neptune. He had to get to the he had to get to this uh, he had to get to the spaceship to get to Neptune, or that was going to Neptune, and like like the government was just like we don't need you anymore, thanks. But like his actions caused the death of like three people. Yeah, and it was kind of very like selfish of him. And I kind of wish that they, he really, they he, they showed him really dealing with that. I I wish they either would have showed him dealing with how selfish that was, and that he really wasn't as needed as he thought he was, mm. or they would have made it so that he really was actually that needed, and it wasn't something as trivial as we just have to place this nuke on this ship. Yeah, like yeah. those those other people would have been fine. They would have done it just fine. I honestly think that they probably. I don't think they would have. Uh, they would have. I think they would just dropped the nuke and then dipped out. I don't think they would have got that information that is later found at the um, when Brad Pitt gets to the spaceship. Yeah. Um. To, so let, let's go back to this. Let's go back to the way how it was shot, like the cinematography. Um. One. So there's two. There's two things that stick stick out in my mind about this movie. One is when Brad Pitt gets to. Um, he gets to Mars and he's in that hallway and it's red. Uh huh. I like how the camera is like perfectly centered, like how it's symmetrical it is. Uh huh. And how he's in the how he's in the center shot and how like the sides of him are like, um, I don't know the best way to describe it, but they look like rows or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And how red it? I thought that looked fucking cool, like the color of it and everything. I thought it looked dope. It looked great, and they're like, "Yeah, you're on the on the red planet." Yeah. And of course, they're. I don't think there's like a whole lot of windows, but everything's red anyway. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I really like is when near the end of the movie where like the nuke goes off and he needs, he used the nuke to like propel him forward. Mm-hmm. I like how it blew, how it blew up and how white the screen got. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, it was a blinding whiteness, but it didn't, it didn't like. It didn't just completely coat the screen. You see it like ripple. Yeah. Or like cloud. It, it clouded in space. And I thought that looked so fucking cool. Right. Um, man, the cinematography in this movie is really good. I'm just, I just can't it's, think It's great. I have nothing bad to say about their cinematography at all. Mm-hmm. Um, even how, I, I think it does it in really subtle ways too, where it tells a story without you even noticing. What do you mean? Like how we were saying that they, you felt like you were at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, or Mm -hmm. everything was comfortable. Mm -hmm. But once you got to Mars, you didn't feel like it was space and you should be scared or anything. Because I feel like that in space films. Like, I honestly, Mm -hmm. I do. Like, I'm terrified of space. Once you get to Mars, it does feel more like an outpost. Yeah, Mars looks very trashy. Like, yeah. like there's even a scene where like he's going, he's walking through like a corridor and there's like a, um, a dog, like a, 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 a wild, not a wild dog, a feral dog, just like pushing stuff around with his nose or something like that. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this place is, tr- it's cool. I, I like how cool it was. Cause it was just like, it seems so earth, but it was on Mars. But there was like a quietness too. Like, yeah. 
Like, instead of being, like, in L.A. or any of the outer-lying cities, mm-hmm. like, you were, like, in a mountain somewhere in a cabin. Like, yeah. you Or you were, like, miles away from comfortable things. And, like, you were in Alaska or something. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my biggest gripes... Um, actually, I think it's the biggest gripe with with the movie for me is Tommy Lee Jones' character was like so determined to really find answers about life out there that's not of Earth, that's extraterrestrial life, and I felt like they should have better explored that. They they didn't really start touching on it until like at the end, and it was it was coming from Tommy Lee Jones, and it seemed like the the ideas of a madman or someone who's who's lost his mind and then like they do a little mention like oh this is the data that we got from him you know he got information from all these planets blah 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 blah. and then like that was it and i kind of wish they i kind of like i said this this goes back to like the whole moon thing they were planting seeds of like ways to further explore this world and they didn't explore it enough right and i think they should have at least explored just a tiny bit more because the movie doesn't take place in current times. It takes place like maybe, let's say, I don't know, 15 years in the future or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to see what goes on more in 15 years in the future if we're seeing like futuristic shit. No, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think this story had to do with Roy McBride and they didn't go off into those things, mm-hmm. which I think they, it was probably the right choice. Mm, okay. Because if you start going off into too many different things and you start to lose the point. Yeah, okay, I gotcha, yeah. But I wouldn't have been upset with, hey, we're coming out with two more movies. Of this whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Or like if they ever make like a novelization of the movie. Because in the novelization, they give you a lot more detail. Yeah. I'd be interested to read that to see what what else they didn't put in. Um, before we... Before we leave our review or before we start jumping off, um, I have to mention uh, the a particular scene that I really dug, and it it had me like hold on to my seat. And you had you touched up on it about why you didn't like it, but it's a scene where like they're traveling from one post to the next on the moon, mm-hmm. and how there's like this gunfight that's happening. Oh yeah, I thought that was really fucking cool. It looked cool. I just thought that. If you're gonna do something with that, make it a little more believable. Like, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. So if you know there are pilot, uh, pilots, if pirates. you know there are pirates out there, mm-hmm. and you know you're gonna come up with confrontation and people could possibly get killed. Yeah. Why do you have an outpost on the moon and you have this whole civilization up there too, and you're not protecting yourself? Yeah, I get you. Yeah. You just have a gun, like. Yeah, there was that guy who was like, who was supposed to be their, um, he's supposed to be their protection or their guide or whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't do a whole lot of protecting. No. <laughs> yeah, he just drove. He was essentially like their chauffeur. Exactly. Or so, like, I, it looked cool. I just, it could have looked cool if mm-hmm. they also had more protection. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, it probably would have added more, um, a little bit more action to the. I'm not saying the movie needed a whole lot of action, but it would have just just the right amount to be like, oh shit, like to really pique people's interest, right? Or to or to keep them um, uh, held on to. Um, one thing I had I have to talk about. Um, you and I talked about it after we saw the movie, and I want to bring it up in in this episode because I want I, I don't know I, I want my parent, my opinions to be heard. Um, so it, the character his he lacks he lacks emotions. 
Um, he's very cold. Uh, there are a couple of times he, there, there are several times he has these like emotional beats during the film. And I think it's really interesting how he's this character who is devoid of emotions and he has to travel into space where there's devoid of life to meet his fa- to catch, to see his father, to essentially, um, uh, to cut ties with his father because his father was like one of the things that was holding him back. Right. He had to go through all that into the void of space to like to find to find reasons to live, to find an emotion. Oh yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Like the 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 level, the distance he'll go to like to be better. Right. I don't, and I think that was really unexpected for his character. Mm-hmm. Like to his character, his character was like, no, like I feel like I don't connect to anybody. I have a yeah. hard time with it. Yeah. And you know it's because of his father leaving when he was 16 and he never saw him again after he was 29 and yeah. all of these things. Um, and so he's also kind of in search of something of his own. And then when things go south with his dad mm. and he realizes, oh, I had everything I needed on Earth. I just didn't realize it. Yeah. Although I will have... And... and, and that's good because it also is like, you know, how we're doing, it's a, a story about a legacy, mm. but generations change from the prior generation. His mm. father wasn't able to escape his trajectory, but he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He found, he found reasons to do something different. Exactly. Um, <laughs> which, and uh, you see him smile. Yeah. At the end of the movie, you actually see him smile. That's true. Um, although, that part where like, Tommy Lee Jones is like, let me go. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of corny. Like when they're floating in space and he's like trying to pull him back because like he's, you know, they're going to, they're going to fall. They're going to just float forever. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, just let me go. Just let me go. I think, yeah. That it, was kind of corny. It was corny. I think it could have been saved uh, if Tommy Lee Jones, because he already admitted to not feeling anything for his son. Yeah. Would have been a little angrier. Like, let me go. Like, fucking let me go. Yeah. Something like that. Or just be like, or or it could have been a moment where like, instead of saying, well, he could have said, let me go. He could have added something else to it. Like, I let me go. I know I'm holding you back. Or something like that for, for Brad Pitt to fully realize like, oh, shit. My dad sees it. I don't see it. Now I see it. Yeah. I think that that would have. I think that would have like, kind of, pushed that corniness out. Yeah, I think uh, I think so too. And it's funny because you know, his character wants to die because he didn't accomplish what he thought his whole purpose was. Yeah. Explain this to me because I was a bit confused. What was the point of the antimatter? I know the antimatter, the thing that was causing the f- uh, surge. They called it. Mm-hmm. But what was the point of it to even begin with? I don't understand what the fuck the point was that any matter about. Because I feel like they didn't explain it enough. If it causes energy surges, I think it was their own energy. Like, they built this whole Lima Project thing uh-huh. so that it was self-sustaining. They were able to make their own energy off of, like how explosive antimatter is okay and so that was like that was so be- it you know got damaged because his crew mute was a mutiny yeah yeah and you know, like in that whole process of them you know mutineering or whatever uh-huh. um they they damaged it and okay. so that's 
that's why that ended up happening. Okay. Yeah, they they did explain that. I was, I was just a bit confused about the animator part. Like, I don't understand why it was there to even begin with or what they were doing with it. But yeah. now you're saying it was a sustainable energy source. I'm like, all right. All right. It makes sense. Yeah. Totally get it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. I think we've uh, been on this topic now for almost as long as the movie. <laughs> it, it, it's. I think it's worth watching. You uh, know, I think you should watch it. Yeah, totally. I think... Um, don't really go from what the audience members are saying. Like, really check it out. It's really a beautiful film. Um, a lot of people are calling it like a masterpiece. I don't, as of now, I don't really think it's a masterpiece, but I think it's one of those films that will become a masterpiece over time. Yeah. Like people really start stewing over it. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, now we are going to do our Simon Says segment. Because Simon always has questions, and Simon says we better fucking answer him. Simon sets the pace. You follow right along. Light the lights that Simon lights, or he'll tell you that you're wrong. Simon's a computer. Simon has a brain. You either do what Simon says, or else go down the drain. He's not that mean. <laughs> uh, are you sure? I mean, he's Simon Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, can't wait for you to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in his letter... His love letter, no. Uh, his letter to us, he says, Dear Mark and Kelsey, has it really been 19 episodes already? It's hard to convey in mere words alone exactly how much over this period of time you've helped me to understand American culture. Although all of my questions have been answered in detail, often this has in turn been achieved by raising further words and phrases for me to try and get my poor simple British head around. But I digress. This week we're talking about we're talking balls, big old spherical orbs of fun to play around with. Dot, I would dot, like dot. <laughs> <laughs> I would like for you to explain to me what it means when an American states that they are going to play hardball with someone of something. Uh, this seems to suggest there are varying degrees of ball density, you know, air quotations ball density, which is something that I'm often um oh, which is something that is generally is not the case over on this side of the pond i'm intrigued by the different rules of engagement surrounding hardballs handballs softballs etc and here's hoping you guys can shed some light on it for me much love simple simon <laughs> okay so play hardball um It's more of a business term, isn't it? To play no. hardball? Mm-mm. Okay. I think they use it a lot in business. Mm. But it really means like... <sighs> All right. Say if we had a kid together. Okay. And we're going through a really nasty divorce. Okay. And you did something really fucking jacked up. And I'm like, okay, so now we need to play hardball. Okay, so so in other words, like we need to like get serious about it. Yeah, like get really serious. Oh, okay. Like we need to really start going at it as hard as we can. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, because when he because when he when he said or when he wrote play hardball, I'm thinking like. uh, Hardball, softball, in terms of like interview questions or journalistic uh stories or stuff like that that's what i thought he was referring to but okay so he's so play hardball is just like we need to get down to brass taxes right 
Brass tacks. Yeah. Brass tacks. I always get turned on. And Simon's like, what's, the, what's brass tacks? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, we need to like hunker down, get this shit for real, like done because we're like piss poor. What? Piss poor. What's a lollygagging? There you go. We're lollygagging. <laughs> we're we're pussyfooting around and all. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying all these phrases. Like, yeah. I'm, look, Simon, he's giving you fodder. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much like, all right, we're going to take this shit serious. We need to like get this shit done with because. We, we got need to knuckle down. Do. Yeah, we got <laughs> knuckle down. Yeah. <laughs> we got better things to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Um, what did you find online, though? I think, the, I don't know, like, I couldn't find out where it really originated, uh-huh. other than people started using it in the 70s. Okay. And um, hardball is actually another term for baseball. Well, yeah. Because hardball is like denser and, and smaller and heavier mm. and um, like a softball's lighter and bigger. And um, so I don't know. Like people will say, let's play baseball too, before they started saying, let's play, let's play hardball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Basketball. So it's like, yeah, the, it means the same thing, but people just say hardball instead of baseball when they're using it in that way. Does anybody still use that term? Play hardball? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, well, you work you you more work in a business setting than I do. Do they use that in your office or in business meetings? I don't think so. Like whenever I picture like play hardball, I'm thinking of like some '80s fucking like yuppie Wall Street office setting or some shit like that. Yeah, but the office that I work for is not like that. They're like, okay, know. you're either a good business professional and I want to work with you and I want to foster this relationship mm. or I can't trust you and I'm not working with you. So yeah, so, like your opportunity to make money with me is gone. Yeah. So we won't be playing ball at all. Yeah. We won't play ball. Gotcha. We'll just, you know, you go play ball by yourself. Play with your own balls. <laughs> as, as, as Simon said, uh, what do you say? Large symmetrical? Well, no, spherical. Spherical? Yeah, what do you say about when he's talking about balls? Um, he said... Oh, old spherical... Spherical? Is that right? Orbs. There you go. Go play with your big old spherical orbs. Spherical. Sphere, sphere, spherical. God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Simon, I hope that, uh, I hope that answers your question about, uh, Hardball. It kind of leaves balls. a question for me because I'm like, but I can't find where it originated. Like, <laughs> I want to you're know. You're curious where, where that term comes from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, geriatric cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the thing that we've been waiting for. Um, we're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey. Dave, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? No, not at all. I've wondered whether you might be having some second thoughts about the mission. How do you mean? Rumors about something being dug up on the moon. I never gave these stories much credence, but particularly in view of some of the other things that have happened, I find them difficult to put out of my mind. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. 
I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in 1968, directed by Stanley Kubrick, written by Stanley Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, Who did the, the novelization? Who did the actual novel of the book? Oh, right. the novel of the movie. Uh, stars Kira Delea, Gary Lockwood, and Dennis Rain. And the synopsis is... Uh, Douglas Rain. What I think I he said Dennis. Oh. <laughs> Douglas Rain. Douglas Rain. Mm. You know, it rains. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. It's better than Dallas Rains. I have no idea what that is. He's a um, weatherman. Oh, Dallas Rains. Channel 7, right? Yeah. Ah, Dallas Rains. That overly tan fucker. <laughs> Uh, the synopsis is, after discovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, mankind sets off on a quest to find its origins with help from intelligent supercomputer HAL 9000. Oh, man. The Legacy, 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by master director Stanley Kubrick. Love that man's work. Fuck, mm. I love that man's work. Except for Eyes Wide Shut. Mm, little weird about that movie <laughs> um all right so do you <laughs> i'm gonna let you direct this conversation because okay oh uh, like i'm so eager okay all right so i love this movie uh-huh i absolutely love this movie before we recorded today as i was Doing things around my place, like getting some things in order. I was playing this movie in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I first, you, do, do we want to tell the story of like how we kind of got to this point? Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So when I first met Kelsey, I explained to her this movie like, oh, it's one of the greatest movies ever. Stanley Kubrick, so it's it has history. You know, the movie is. Number 22 on like AFI's greatest movies of all times list. And Kelsey was like, okay, I, I want to watch it. But it, we, it wasn't when we first met. It was like two years later. Was it or two like years three, later? Yeah, two or three years later. Yeah, I'd say maybe like a year later. Something like that. We, there was a long list of movies <laughs> that we were watching together. I know this is it. Um, so I had just never taken the time to show Kelsey the movie. I never sat her down. I was like, we got to watch it. But then uh, Christopher Nolan had... Uh, on a tour of the movie he had taken all the uh i guess the words restoration the the fixes that were put into the film over time and he took it back to it like it's bare how how it was originally uh shown Mm -hmm. 35 millimeter without the edit without like the fixes the grainy it gave me like the grindy look and everything and and it it was at the theater and i was like kelsey it's at the theater. We've got to see it. Like we got to. That was murder. thirty-five millimeter club, wasn't it? No, it was. No, it was a. Uh, no, it wasn't thirty-five millimeter club. It was. It was something at the art like art light, and it was in seventy millimeter. Oh, okay. Yeah, he found. Yeah, because um, Christopher Nolan found an original print of it. Oh, got in it. In seventy millimeter, and was like, "We got to watch it." And I was so hyped, and I was getting Kelsey hyped. Uh huh. Oh yeah, he. Hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped for yeah. weeks. So we see the movie, and I'm like, kind of watching Kelsey watch the movie. I'm like, let me try to get a range of how she's feeling. And I'm like, are you enjoying it? You're like, yeah, I like it. It's good. I'm enjoying it. And then the movie ends. And then we get to the ending that the movie ends. And we start walking, talking about it. 
I'm going to stop right there. Because <laughs> that is a beautiful conversation that we had. So let's talk about what we liked about it so far. Because you have, you have some strong opinions about the movie. Uh, yeah, I have strong um, One thing that I really like about how I view things, I always try to see more than one side of it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like being one dimensional. Yeah. So if I like something or I don't like something, it's usually like a general opinion. But there's always there's usually something I can say in the other camp, of so that it's not like blind love or hate of something. Mm-hmm. Um. And what I really liked about the film, and I think I even mentioned it to you even while it was playing, mm-hmm. was the way they built the set yeah, and how they shot it and how the characters looked. It was something that you, you would see today yeah. and, and it wouldn't look cheap. Yeah. Cause like there's, there's, there's no, like this is at the age. There's no CGI effects. It has not been invented. There's special effects, which is like, you know, making things look smaller than they should be and everything. But it's so fucking cool how like he, he did the set. Like um, the scene where I think it's Dave is running to like jog, yeah, and how like the camera just follows him, and it's like it's like if he's running all the way around like a rotating motion. And you, I was, you're thinking like, is he running downhill or uphill? Because yeah, it's a circle. Yeah, and it was it's beautiful. It's fucking amazing. Um, and even like the way how Kubrick plants the camera on certain shots, uh, like um. What's the other character's name? The, dude, the name has escaped me right now. Uh, Frank. When he's like climbing down the ladder mm-hmm. and the camera's like on its side. But yeah. like it's it's like it, he's not coming down the ladder. It's like he's coming out of the side or some shit like that. Uh-huh. Which is like totally cool. I thought that was like really well shot. Yeah. Um, Even um, when he's decommissioning Hal. Oh, that is that's so amazing. That's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Yeah, like the whole red and everything. Yeah, everything's red uh, and like all of those like little, I guess you would call them like uh, I memory. Would, it's memory. Yeah, the memory sticks. Yeah. Like they come out so slow and like, I don't know. It's just like a really slow, thoughtful scene. Mm-hmm. But the way how he did it was very, I don't it was personal. Yeah. But it was like you're sitting with your dog as it's being euthanized or something yeah exactly even like when when hal is 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 dying you know it's just like how how essentially killed frank and try to kill dave but the way you're just like damn man how's going out That's yeah <laughs> um oh one thing i i, I don't remember I, I, I don't remember if you had a reaction but the part where um Hal uses the shuttle to attack Frank. Um, did you have a reaction at that scene? I felt like you kind of like jumped at it or you were just like, oh shit. I thought that was, I did have a reaction to it. It oh, was, because yeah. <sighs> he, he didn't let him back in. No, no, no. The part where like uh, Frank went to go do something because something was broken mm-hmm. and how they had the, um, how they had the how they had the camera set down where the uh, the shuttle had like turned and it's like coming towards the camera, but you can tell it's coming after Frank. And when they do like a cut to, it's like quick jump cuts, and then you see Frank just like ah, it's like oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. 
Oh, man. Okay. Here's what I think about that scene. Okay. Everything is so slow and deliberate mm-hmm. that you get a really sense of like, like you're alone. Everything is grand because of the scale of everything, but you're alone. Mm-hmm. And everything's so slow because everything's so big. Yeah. Even even in death, everything is really slow. Um, and you're not prepared even when something is slow getting to the point. And even though you see it coming from a mile away, uh-huh. you're still surprised by it. Like it still has yeah. a hard impact on you because you're like, wait like you know this is gonna happen and it's like the anticipation was it's not even like anticipation you almost wonder like are they gonna go through with it oh yeah you yeah, know absolutely. Yeah. like not anticipation of it happening but like like you know it's a very uh like methodical mm-hmm. and usually when someone dies it's not like that yeah so you're like, oh shit, like this is serious. Mm-hmm. And how he flies away is kind of outside of that because it's not slow anymore. It's he's it's flying, he's fast. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like that just happened. Mm. And Dave doesn't even really know yet. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a hard shift. Because uh, you know everything, like everything in the movie leading up was like slow, the floating through space, the doing this and that and everything, and all of a sudden you're just like, like smash cut, smash cut, body thrown. You're like whoa, whoa, whoa! Like what? You almost like what the fuck just happened? Right. Which I fucking I absolutely love. I think I rewind that scene like twice a day. I was like, damn, that's a great way how he did that. Yeah. Um. What else? I mean, like this. There's like a thousand things that can be said about why this movie's great, and a thousand things of a thousand ways it's been heard. Because this movie's been around for like thirty over thirty years. I want to kind of draw a couple of comparisons between this and Ad Astra, if okay. I can. All right. When Dave is telling Hal to open the bay door, yeah, open the bay doors, Hal. Hal. It's very like. He's detached, right? Yeah. He's yeah, like, the characters are very similar in the whole detachment. Exactly. So I'm thinking, like, maybe that's just how they're trained for space. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, like, if they come from the same world or something, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Dave is like, is really uh, McBride's dad or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't really get angry until he realizes that Hell's intentionally. Like, it's intentional. It's not a malfunction. It's intentional. Like, I've kind of exceeded my AI uh, threshold, and now, like, I I can think for myself. Yeah. Like, he, um, I I, I don't know if you noticed, there's a couple scenes where it's where Hal and uh, Dave are talking. Hal's like, oh, Dave's like, open the pop a door and all that kind of stuff. And you can see Dave's jaw clenching. Mm -hmm. Like, every time, like, Dave's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. Like, why would I do that? And Hal, like, calls him out. His, like, his demeanor is like, fuck. Yeah, He's exactly. Yeah. Um, there's that. And then the whole, 
there's a similarity and also a difference in how grand the cinematography is mm. and that it's really, they're both really big on world building mm. and the slowness of things out in space and, um, you know, just everything's really big. Yeah. But 2001 A Space Odyssey made everything feel very clinical. Yeah, absolutely. Even like the... Um uh, the flight attendants at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They almost look like nurses. Exactly. It was very clinical and mm. you couldn't, you didn't feel comfortable and at home you felt like you were in the airport or like yeah, at definitely. a, at a convention center, but not like a cool convention, but you were like a business, a business meeting yeah, or something. It was straight up like that. Yeah. <coughs> and at Astro was very much like, this is familiar like people do this a thousand times a day. We have commercial air travel mm. and military air travel, you know, uh, space travel. So it's not like this is new. This yeah. is not new. This is, you know, even though 2001 A Space Odyssey did kind of the same thing um, because he had been there before and they knew him. Mm. It was just not set up for you to believe that it was... Super familiar. Gotcha. <sighs> you okay? Yes. That was the two things that I, like, I really wanted to get off my chest between okay. the two films. Like, mm. I felt like one drew, like, drew a little inspiration from the other. Yeah, you can definitely, you definitely get a sense that um, the people behind that Astro was like, 2001 inspired us. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think I read an interview that, um, the director, uh, what's his name? James Gray. Um, yeah, James Gray actually said that he took some inspiration from 2001 Space House. I mean, you can, you can, you can, can clearly see it within the films. Even like um, you were talking about, or we were talking about like the scene where uh, Dave's pulling the memory out of how, how red it was. Mm-hmm. And you can see how um, red certain things were in Ad Astra that kind of remind me of it. And, actually, and it also kind of reminded me of Blade Runner, too. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh huh. The colors kind of the cinematographer kind of reminded me of that. Of, reminded me of that as well. Which I don't know. They might have had the same cinematographer. Now I think about it. Maybe. So, um, that scene where he's shutting Hal down really like gets me. Oh, does it? It does. He's very. You want to believe he has remorse, or he wants to be understood. Mm-hmm. He's begging. Yeah, and he's it's like, please stop. It was, but it's it was, not like, you know, please stop. It's like, Dave, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. dying. Please help me. But it's it's like so calm and like, I don't know. It's almost like when people are angry and they're quiet. Mm-hmm. That's the worst kind Ooh, of angry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just It was very unsettling. Mm, gotcha. Um, I don't know. It just stuck with me. So, tell me what else stuck with you. Let's let's go into why you were just like, "Fuck this movie." <laughs> All right. Um, I just remembered too. Mm. With with Ad Astra, they had a clear plot line, mm. and the reason why I have a hard time with Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey is because of their plot line, because it's so disjointed. Because you start off with 
men in monkey suits. And then there's a monolith. And it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm like, okay, are we going to come back to this at some point? Mm -hmm. And it's such a long movie, you would think that they would kind of come back to it a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. But they leave it hanging for most of the film. Yes, that's true, yeah. So you're like, okay. And it it feels like I made a comment, too. It's like, this is probably what National Geographic was back (laughs) in the 60s. (laughs) Yeah. 2001 Space Odyssey, Natural Geographic. Dun, 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 <laughs> totally. Um, and, and you know that the monolith gives them, like, knowledge of how to use Well, that's tools. the thing. They don't, they don't even really... S- okay, I'll go with you on this. They don't even really say what the fuck the monolith is. No, they don't. They don't say it, but you can deduce mm-hmm. that these monkeys were just picking bugs off each other. And they weren't defending themselves with any kind of tool. Mm. And then the monolith appears and they're touching it. And then all of a sudden they somehow are like, oh, I can use old bones Mm. as weapons. Yeah. So now they're defending their territory. My issue with that is you mean to tell me that instead of defending their territory up until that point they'll just sit there and scream at each other until one of them relents like that doesn't make any sense oh okay yeah i i guess it it doesn't make any sense okay i don't know if i can say it especially because monkeys were supposed to be of some intelligence right i think one of the most intelligent things. I think they were supposed to be humans before humans existed. Yeah, that's the bait. We're missing a link in civil. There, there is a connection between apes and us. And um, I, I don't remember what the percentage is, but we're like eighty percent related or some shit like that. Like, yeah. So we're supposed to be. They're supposed to be the most intelligent thing up until that point. Uh-huh. And yet they're not intelligent, like at all. Well, they didn't have a, I mean, obviously they didn't have a monolith there. So now they did. Now they're intelligent. <laughs> Kelsey rolls her eyes. Wait, before you continue, you're not the only one who has said this. At the premiere, there was 241 people who walked out of the theater, including actor Rock Hudson, right? Who said, will someone tell me what the hell this is about? <laughs> and, but the author has said that uh, if you understand 2001 completely, we failed. We wanted to raise far more questions than we answered. What do you say to that? <laughs> you don't have to be pretentious when you do it. <laughs> you don't. You can raise questions like, I don't know. There's got to be a, there's movies out there. I know I've seen them mm. where they don't answer all the questions. They have ambiguous endings mm. or they answer some of the questions but leave you with more questions. <coughs> they didn't have to do that. Okay. <laughs> I think I think it's still up for debate about what the fuck the oh, sorry. I think it's still up debate of what the movie is about. I think it hasn't it it hasn't even been fully under understood like what this movie is about. There's so many theories of what 
Kubrick was trying to say. Yeah. I'm, I just think it was... Um, it was poorly executed? <laughs> there was a director that... I, n- I don't remember his name, but I know he bothers you. Mm-hmm. Is it Noah Hawley? No, I like Noah Hawley. <clears throat> There's somebody. What, do you can't remember what movie he did? Or she did? <sighs> no, it's a guy. Okay. You don't like pretentious directors. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he is one. Kubrick? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <coughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like he was showboating like I can make this movie amazing and beautiful and make people wonder about it. They could not tell anyone about uh, what it was about. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> people will just fall at their knees like wondering about it. <clears throat> okay. Are you, are you saying I'm falling at I'm falling at the knees? Just it's like oh Kubrick, yes, mighty, yes Kubrick, please. I don't know, like, and I I can't draw comparison to other people because. Well, well, don't compare it to other people. Just say you know what's your issues exactly with Kubrick's directing, especially <coughs> near the end of the film. He. I really like that space travel thing. Mm-hmm. Like when he, when he's gone into the monolith and it's like eh, yeah, yeah. I I kind of like that because the cinematography there is like trying to tell a story. You know, so he's like transforming in some kind of way. He's <laughs> a space baby. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, don't even. I'm not even there yet. Oh, okay, okay. He's transforming in some kind of way. Mm. He ends up in like a, a room, like in the future. Yeah. With his future self. Mm. <clears throat> and his future self is an old person eating peas mm. or some shit. I think it was peas. And yeah. like, I don't, I didn't quite understand that. I think it's like, he gained knowledge so much so that he knew the future and <clears throat> he was successful and he could even rise past that. Okay. Until he could turn into a fucking space baby. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. <laughs> That's probably just the baby Jesus floating around in space. <clears throat> You know what we call the heavens? Uh, That's just space baby. Space baby. <laughs> just floating around up there. I don't know. <laughs> now, every time I see a fucking monolith <laughs> at a museum or a park or any fucking where, I'm like, I hate you. Stanley Kubrick and oh my god and Mark Salcedo oh my simultaneously god. so 2001 a Space Odyssey <laughs> has given you the giving you the hatred for structure 
for a particular structure for like a, a that p- I will always view as pretentious. <laughs> like it's a a piece of like a piece of material that just stands up straight with no support, just like right there. You're like, I hate that. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Some people might misconstrue that as me hating knowledge. Or, you <laughs> <Okay>. know, <clears throat> forward progress. Uh, I just think that it's another, even though it's not sphere, uh, cylindrical in shape, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, got corners like a box, but yeah. it's really long. Yeah. It might be considered phallic. <clears throat> really? I think I see it as a I see it as Cooper's ego. Yeah, that's what I've been <laughs> fucking saying. Yeah, it's probably Cooper's ego. I mean, <laughs> like the director the director was obsessed with um the director was very obsessed with this um with this movie. Um he he actually was very involved with Essentially, almost, I think it was involved about everything, what goes on in the movie. Up until, like, like the directing, the writing, the set design, up, up all the way up to even, like, how the clothing was. <clears throat> um, I, I saw a part, um, here we go. Uh, Stanley Kubrick involved himself in every aspect of production, even choosing the fabric of the actor's costume and selecting notable pieces of contemporary furniture to use in the film. I, I remember reading something that there's a part in the movie where uh, Dave is about to jump from the pod <clears throat> into the space station and he's in front of like the door and there's like a warning or something like that and then like instructions or like instructions how to like uh, to pop the bolts or whatever mm-hmm. and it's written down and from what I from what I read um, he actually wrote stuff down <coughs> like legit instructions like you have to do this this this, and this instead of like the scribble or jabble or whatever he actually like wrote it down. Wow. Of how to do that. That's how obsessed he was. Um, I honestly think... You say he's, pre- you say he's pretentious. Which is ego. Yeah, yes. it's ego. I think, there is, I think there is a bit of ego there, but I don't think it really... I see, I don't, I don't, I see slights of it. And I think it's kind of like earned, too. Because like he essentially created like a masterpiece. Uh, George Lucas has cited that like this is this film was the inspiration for New Hope or one of the inspirations for New uh, New Hope. Um, Steven Spielberg himself has said that when when he was young and he saw that movie, he was like, "This is film. <clears throat> we can do this. We can actually make film like this." If he could get rid of the monkeys in the beginning, <laughs> okay, and <clears throat> the phallic monolith. Yeah, the monolith. Like, even the ending where he's, like, an old man, Mm -hmm. but then don't go any further. Oh, like, to stop it there. Oh, so get rid of the space baby. Yeah. The space baby was a bit much. (laughs) It would make more sense to me. Okay. Because you're in space, and you're supposed to be exploring things, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they come across this thing on the planet that is, like new to them and they don't understand what it is yet and if it's dangerous or mm. I think they kind of explained it um, at the end kind of, kind of an expedition dump when uh, Dave is popping the memory sticks out of Hal and that video pops up yeah and he's like and it's a recording of like hey so for the crew we want to tell you what, <clears throat> what we really have to do this is why yeah um, 
although I don't remember what exactly he says. I think he goes into detail of like, oh, we found a monolith and there's another one out there. So we're chasing after it. Yeah. Like, that's okay to me because mm. you're you're searching for something. You're searching for like a higher truth. You're searching for something that's bigger than yourself. Mm. But it has absolutely nothing to do with where we began as monkeys <laughs> <clears throat> or baby Jesus in a bubble. <laughs> okay. Now, I remember when we saw this and we walked out and we were like talking. We were going to get a bite to eat. We're like, hey, let's talk about the movie. You were like asking these questions and I was telling you like, well, I read that, you know, this is what this is what it meant. The monolith was supposed to be like a marker of like that the aliens left saying, hey, humanity, if you are really jumping ahead, if you're really evolving, you'll reach this monolith. Oh, you reach that one. All right. Now you'll reach this monolith. It was like a marker to like test humanity and if they're ready for alien contact. And I think I remember explaining that like. This, the old man scene was essentially him living his life, but it was they show how fast it went by. Mm-hmm. And I told you this, and you're just like, so did you come up with that on your own, or did you read it? I was like, eh, kind of my own, kind of my read it, what I read. And you're like, why didn't they just fucking explain that in the movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't... <clears throat> And you and and so for the audience, you're not you're not stupid. You're not dumb. You pick up stuff faster than I do. You're like one of the smartest people that I know. And still, you're just like, what was that? I think it's just because of the ridiculousness of the monkeys and the space baby. <laughs> Keep going back to the monkeys <clears throat> and the space baby. Well, no, seriously, like things make sense when they make sense. So when you throw weird shit in there, it's distracting. Mm-hmm. So if it's going to be about, you know, a marker, like, <clears throat> they could have used something a little more relatable or, you know, I mean, I guess the monkeys does kind of make some sense. Yeah. But it just takes so long and you get distracted because Hal's kind of cool. Uh-huh. And like, you know, everything's so pretty. Yeah. And <clears throat> they don't really go into what happened after they found that monolith on the planet. Oh, at the moon? Yeah. Well, like at that time, they oh, yeah, don't. They yeah. don't. And it just cuts to 18 months later. Yeah. So it it takes you out of the story mm. and you're just with someone new talking about a computer. Like, yeah, okay. <clears throat> it doesn't connect from I point A to point B very well. Yeah. I would actually be curious to show you, to see your reaction if I showed you the sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey, which is called uh, 2010, The Day We Made Contact. Mm-hmm. Or it's called The Year We Made Contact or something. They actually, I mean, it's a continuation. They ex- <clears throat> they explore further. From what I heard, it's a really bad film. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Arthur C. Clarke, he's written, uh, I believe there's three novels in the 2001 space house, I think there's three novels and I've kind of like read up about them, like took some, read some cliff notes and it was like, Oh, it's kind of interesting, kind of stupid, but whatever. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Kubrick and and Arthur C. Clarke were like, well, we don't know how to end this. (laughs) So let's make, let's make it weird. Yeah. (laughs) Really weird. I don't know. Oh man. So I don't know what to ask now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, so okay, but I mean, other than like your 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 <clears throat> your issues with the movie, did you did you still at least like the movie? I enjoyed it mm-hmm. while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. But now all I can remember about it is how much I hate <laughs> that ending. Okay. And the monkeys. And the monkeys. And the monkeys. Because they're people in monkey suits. <laughs> they didn't yeah. do that good of a job. Like, I mean, it's better than your average monkey suit, but mm. it's still a monkey suit. What? <clears throat> um, so, I, I remember we talked about this uh, yesterday. When we first saw it at on, on the big screen, you were falling asleep, right? Yeah. Okay, and what happened the second time you watched it? Well, to be fair, <laughs> I had cold medicine for this fucking cough, and I literally fell asleep. I was, like, <laughs> hanging over the like the arm of the couch. <laughs> like, half dead. Like, I was, like, uh. I was sleeping. I'm surprised you weren't like, oh, you're sleeping because I snore. I think I was, like, distracted doing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you have anything else to add to it? No, I I don't even want to tell you to go watch it. Damn, are you serious? Yeah. Shit. I was very much in the world of it when I was watching it because it's pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after, it's like a cheap date because you're like, you were, you had like the perfect package of what a date should look like Mm -hmm. with no content all right <laughs> um before we leave i want to talk about uh, th- there's something i just found about um your space baby yes all right it's been rumored that the image of the star child came to him stanley kubrick came to him from the from the spirit of the earth and percy bias shelley's prometheus unbound within the orbit itself pillowed upon the alab alabaster arms like to a child ewinder with sweet toil on its own folded wings and wavy hair the spirit of earth is laid asleep that's where he got the inspiration from the space baby that doesn't make any sense. I don't even know what the fuck you just said space baby you know what I think I think Stanley Kubrick is Shakespeare reincarnated and he doesn't know what to fucking do with himself. <laughs> or he didn't at the time when he was still alive. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know you don't, I know you don't strictly hate Kubrick because I showed you The Shining. You did like I like that movie. You like that. I need to show you more stuff like Full Metal Jacket and I uh, saw parts of that one. That's a really great film. <clears throat> uh, we got to check that out. Um, anything else to add? Next week. My brain's drawing a blank. Okay, folks. Uh, as you all know, Last Ra- Last Blood came oh, out. Oh, Jesus, yes. The last Rambo movie, Last Blood, came out. Um, we didn't review it, so we did Ad Astra. But we still want to talk about that movie. So for next week's episode, we actually have a special guest coming on. Um, we're not going to say who, but it is a associate of ours that yep. we've, we've met a couple times. Um, but we are going to review Last Blood. And our geriatric cinematic is going to be Rambo, First Blood, Part 2. 
Um, the reason why we're doing First Blood Part Two instead of First Blood is um, First Blood Blood Two. First Blood Part Two is considered a cult classic, kind of a cult classic. Well, it was a, it was it was a successful film, but it was like a quintessential eighties action film. Yeah, and I wanted to show Kelsey that, and I was like, we gotta we gotta just talk about that one because that one is super ridiculous. Exactly. Um, but don't worry, I did I I am currently showing Kelsey um the Rambo movies cuz I want and our guest was like why are you torturing her <laughs> yeah cuz I want I want her to like prep up for for last blood I want her to go through first blood or part 2 Rambo 3 Ugh. we did watch uh first blood part 2 mm-hmm. right before we recorded yeah but I will refrain from talking about it just want you to know you know we're working on it <laughs> we're working on it and uh, yeah, so that's what you guys can expect that. Uh, that's gonna be our, our episode for next week. Yep. Um, I'm not got anything to add on. No, I just feel dumb. We watched that right before <laughs> the podcast, and you're like, "What are we doing next week?" And I'm like, "I don't know. What yeah. are we doing next week?" Yeah, no idea. I mean, obviously, it's always a great idea to have a very intelligent discussion about cinematography <clears throat> and the joys of making artful style space films. But before that, watch some murder. Yeah. Ramble style. Exactly. All right. So uh, that's going to be it for our show for this week. Um, yep. Um, nothing else to add. Just go ahead and uh, contact us if you want to get a hold of us. Um, Social media. We emails. also have a Facebook group that we've been neglecting. Kind of like, lacking. It's like a secret group. It was a private group. We jump on in. You know, start, let's start the conversation going. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, don't forget to review us or rate us on uh, iTunes Mm -hmm. and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.